today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. We've had uh, ongoing discussions um, with, with uh, concerned Ontario doctors over the years in regard to uh, doctors. It's been like five years since they've, they've had any sort of uh, contract. Uh, and after five years without a contract uh, and seven consecutive years of deep unilateral cuts from fright, uh, frontline patient care, Ontario's doctors were eager to read the arbitration report arising from the proceedings between the Ontario Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care and the Ontario Medical Association, um, released on February 19th. And after enduring more than $5 billion in ongoing and unilateral cuts since 2015 alone, Ontario doctors were shocked to read about even more cuts now disguised as pay increases for the first time ever in Canadian history. An arbitration award has actually been a punishment with even more deep frontline cuts uh, enabling uh, a cap to the physician services budget uh, be built into the contract. To talk more about all of this, Kalvinder Gill is with us, President Concerned Ontario Doctors and on the line now. Kalvinder, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Well, you know, as we, we've talked before, it's been five years without a deal. Uh, obviously, under the last government, you were hoping something would happen with arbitration and, and a change in government. What's the difference between the way this has been handled in the past with the previous administration and the way it's being uh, handled now? Absolutely no difference. Um, neither government has cared about um, frontline patient care. Neither government seems to care about the escalating healthcare crisis that we have in the province. Uh, alarmingly, uh, the arbitration position that was put forward by the Ford government was identical word to word um, as the arbitration position that was put forward by Wynn's government. So their position hadn't changed. And uh, so they were still um, refusing to fund increases in um, in the healthcare budget due to population increases, due to we, uh, our baby boomer population needing more and more complex care, due to uh, increasing patient care needs after uh, um, almost eight consecutive years of billions in cuts uh, to um, to our essential health care that has actually created a historic health care crisis in, in our province. And, and, uh, and, and in the first time ever in uh, Canadian history has an arbitration so-called award actually been more um, frontline cuts and, and many of the unilateral cuts now actually cemented as being permanent. Um, and and a government that is still refusing uh, to even meet basic inflation. So this so-called award not only entrenches many of the unilateral cuts that have occurred over the past several years, but have um, also um, uh, failed to meet inflation. Keep in mind that Ontario's doctors haven't had uh, basic inflation met since 2012, and so uh, this contract term goes into into uh, 2011 and uh, sorry 2021. And in 2021, Ontario's doctors will have less payment for their services than they did in 2008. Uh, despite having um, uh, nearly 20% increase in, in overall inflation during that period of time and uh, escalating overhead expenses um, and, and increased burden with the federal taxation changes. So this will be devastating for frontline patient care as frontline doctors have already been forced to reduce their patient uh, services. They've already been uh, forced to lay off staff. They've already been forced to actually cut their clinic hours just trying to keep their clinics open and 
um, this will be a major blow to the family doctors and the specialists that actually practice within the communities. And, uh, and it's going to be devastating for, uh, for our health care crisis. Uh, usually arbitration works out in favor. Why not this time, do you think? Um, Ontario's doctors are the only um, um, physician body in the entire country that has uh, mandatory dues with no choice in um, in our actual representation. So we have a very toxic uh, authoritarian representation that um, has done everything to bully and intimidate uh, frontline physicians into silence. And um, going into these arbitration hearings, um, uh, the OMA actually presented a side which didn't even take all the um, uh, cuts into account, and nor did it actually paint out the impact that these um, billions in cuts have actually had on frontline patient care. So we have terrible representation because the OMA has absolutely no incentive to actually advocate for the best interests of patients and for the best interests of doctors because it's ultimately uh, trying to appease the government to ensure that the OMA Dues Act, which ensures that it continues to collect $54 million in forced dues from doctors, is uh, protected. So it will. Um, this is what we have seen. This is why we have had no contract for so long, and why uh, we have actually ended up having a healthcare crisis in our province, unlike anywhere else in Canada, is because we have um, a body that's supposed to be advocating for doctors and patients that's actually uh, complicit in this healthcare crisis with the government. How do you explain that? Whose side is the OMA on? OMA is not on the side of frontline physicians. Um, it actually just recently and, uh, un- undertook um, uh, dramatic bylaw changes uh, whereby it has now changed its own bylaws to indicate that it acts in the best interest of its corporation, not of its members. It has also changed its representation to be undemocratic, and we've seen massive resignations um, uh, from the most senior leadership um amongst the management from CEO to CFO to the directors from every firm, from government relations to advocacy for membership services. Um, that's following massive resignations of um, physicians from council um, uh, because, again, this is an organization that desperately needs a independent forensic review um, um, undertaken by uh, an independent body, but that's something that the government actually needs uh, um, to or to order f- or for it, it to happen. Is it supposed to be an independent body or is it supposed to be de- defending the doctors? It is supposed to be um, our negotiating body and it's supposed to be uh, advocating for doctors. Right. And that's what every other a medical association for every, every other province and territory does in Canada. And that's why no other province and no other territory has ever been in a situation like Ontario. So what's different here? Why does, do, why does the OMA seem to not have the same uh, mandate as others? Well, in um, 1991, the Ontario government passed the OMA Dues Act, and that OMA Dues Act um, forced doctors to pay the OMA uh, mandatory dues. 
and um, it was initially supposed to be for OMA to be our our actual uh, negotiating body, but now less than 8% of our dues actually go towards negotiations, and the rest of our $54 million, uh, it goes to uh, OMA staff of 300. They're Yorkville penthouse offices. They're confidential expense accounts. They're um, uh, honorariums and salaries, which are kept completely and strictly confidential from the very doctors forced to pay. So in these five years that Ontario's doctors have had millions, sorry, billions in cuts and patients have been suffering and dying on wait lists and in hospital hallways, the OMA has pocketed over $300 million in physician mandatory dues. And who those funds have been paid to is kept secret. And those physicians who have pushed for financial transparency have been met with an immense amount of bullying and intimidation. So that's a situation where we're in and patients should be gravely concerned because the um, uh, oh, the contract is a further punishment of patients. It will it will not allow physicians to uh, to provide the care that patients need. It actually mandates more hundreds of millions of dollars of more cuts uh, that the government will be undertaking, and the government will have the ability to actually ration further patient care. Um, this sounds like a union, but it's not, is it? No, it's not a union. It doesn't have the powers of a union. That's why we can't. But it does take dues off you. Yes, because of government legislation. So if if an OMA was a union, well, we could have easily gone to the labor board to express our grievances, and there would be rules for the OMA to abide by. But because they're granted their powers through government legislation, really the only uh, person that can step in at this point to um, to make uh, to actually repeal the OMA Dues Act and to make dues voluntary and to undertake the forensic review, which is so desperately needed to protect patients, would be either Premier Ford or or actually Minister Elliott herself. And thus far, um, not only have they um, uh, not expressed any sort of um, desire to do that, they, oh, they haven't even been willing to meet with frontline physicians in their seven months um, since forming government. Uh, so this is a government organization, uh, but runs similar to a union because you can't unionize, correct? Correct. Right. Um, from a doctor's perspective, I mean, you know, you're on the front lines there, Calvinder. You know what it's like. You know what, what what's going on in the, in these doctors' offices and such. Um, what is the solution? What is it? Just more money? Are there efficiencies to be found? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, what we really need uh, to happen, and which the government seems to be going in the opposite direction. So um, it was leaked today that uh, tomorrow, Minister Elliott is supposed to be announcing the creation of a super agency, which again, right. was previously leaked by the NDP a few weeks ago, uh, documents that she claimed to have never seen, which bared her signature and which were uh, already had cabinet orders. And so all of this has been done with absolutely zero consultation with frontline doctors and nurses or any input from patients. And what we are seeing is the opposite of what should be happening. Our healthcare system is heavily rationed and, and many of the scarce taxpayer dollars are going to feed layers and layers of use of, of, of useless healthcare um, healthcare 
bureaucracy through these lens and sub-lens that exist. And what Ford's government is now planning to do is actually move them all and create them into a centralized agency called a, a super agency, granting it immense powers uh, and, and, and further centralizing uh, command and control, which is the opposite of what should be happening. We should not be moving the lens into another agency. We should be abolishing the lens. We should not be moving the sublins into another agency. We should be abolishing. Is the that sub-lens. not what will happen here? Do you think? Do you think this is the first step towards that? I mean, again, I, I guess that, we don't know till we hear about it tomorrow. But uh, no, based on the documents that were leaked by the NDP a few weeks ago, um, this super agency will actually have more bureaucratic control. It's actually going to be taking away autonomy from physicians and from patients and from communities to have say in their healthcare system. So um, they're creating um, another agency which will basically be a, a secondary ministry of health, but uh, in, in another bubble to avoid accountability for their actions. So they're basically dodging accountability while not actually addressing the problem. Uh, this government, though, always preaching uh, less government, more efficiencies, and removal of the lens will 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 accomplish that. It, it, that not resonating with your members at all? Actually, we have been strongly advocating for the lens and for the sublens to be abolished, but that's not what what is happening with the super agency. It's simply being moved into the super agency, and 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 again, um, command and control will come from the ministry. Uh, initially, when the lens were created by the Liberal government um, over a decade ago, it was meant to be a means for local communities to have say in their local healthcare system. But what it has um, actually become is a, ma- a means for the ministry to have control over the local healthcare systems with heavy rationing of frontline care and actually a bureaucratic interference uh, of um, patient care. And with further centralization, you're going to see less voices of local doctors and local nurses and patients and communities and, and patient advocates. Uh, you're going to see more and more, uh, um, you're going to see all of the decisions made um, from uh, uh, Queen's Park in this super agency, uh, which will now have uh, Ford uh, appointed. But again, you know, I remember during the campaign and such, I mean, the Conservatives were never for the Lins. They thought this was all a big waste of money as well. So, again, is putting it under uh, an umbrella uh, a a way to appease those that like the Lins that will eventually be disappeared? Or, uh, you know, it doesn't seem that, you know, well, let's pad them even more. I mean, I I can't see them going in that direction. I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying these this is the umbrella is all disguised as another way just to cut these. So. Uh, if they're appearing to cut the local lens, isn't that a good thing? Well, they're not cutting them, though. They are simply moving those entities uh, into another agency. Yeah. If they were, if they were abolishing them, certainly that's. Oh, that's no, but I guess my point is, is that if they're under another umbrella, do you think that perhaps they're on their way to doing just that? No, because uh, uh, they've created an, a new umbrella which has superpowers, which can uh, actually. Uh, do many things which now actually require uh, approval and consent of um, a local hospital boards or local communities. Um, and and this super agency will have draconian powers uh, and, and uh, be able to do a lot uh, of decision-making and, and uh, have immense powers over local communities without the actual local communities having any say in their health care system. Is government... Uh, our governments, no matter the political stripe, excuse me, 
are they eating the healthcare system, or is the healthcare system eating itself here? The governments are avoiding accountability, and they are merely jumping from one election cycle to another. No one seems to want to actually address the healthcare problems that exist. We have currently the Premier's Healthcare Council, which is made up of 11 bureaucrats. So the bureaucratic solution for failed bureaucracy is always more bureaucracy, and that's exactly what we are seeing here. What what we really need to have happen is engagement of frontline doctors and nurses. No one knows the problems in our healthcare systems and the doctors and nurses that live it uh, on the front lines and the trenches and see what their patients are having to deal with. No one knows it better than the patients and their families that are having to suffer and 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 wait on hallway stretchers and 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 now we're even seeing hallway stretcher deaths and that's no patient should have the indignity of that after paying a lifetime into our healthcare system. But we are now at a point where we have over a million patients without a family doctor. We have specialist wait times that have escalated to multi-year wait where specialists have now been forced to refuse the acceptance of further patient referrals because their wait lists are so long. We have um, operating rooms across the province that are sitting empty because of heavy rationing of frontline patient care. We have uh, patients that are orphaned patients without family doctors, and and, and we are seeing uh, government bureaucrats further dictate what will be the so-called solutions, which actually involve more um, healthcare bureaucracy and, and less autonomy of physicians and patients and 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 the actual nurses on the front lines that are actually responsible for delivering the care. So we are heading uh, pretty much along the same trajectory as the previous Wynn government, just at an escalated speed. Uh, I was about to say, uh, it appears like nothing has changed. But what I find fascinating here, uh, Calvinder, is that there there can't be, no one can seem to find a solution, and we seem to be uh, stuck at train wreck mode and have been for the last decade, it appears. I mean, the governments want efficiencies. They mm-hmm. don't want to waste or spend any more money. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing of all stripes where it shouldn't go, and the doctors feel the same way. Why can't we solve this? The problem is that we have changes in government, but we don't have changes in the in the very healthcare bureaucrats that are making these healthcare decisions. If you look at the composition of the Premier Ford's Healthcare Council, many of the individuals and many of the bureaucrats on his council are the very architects of our healthcare crisis. Many have been linked uh, with the e-health scandals. Many have um, previously served under former governments as um, deputy health ministers. Many have supported the expansion. So how do we fix that, Colvinder? How do we fix that? So that's where the government uh, actually needs to uh, keep its promises. This is a government that was elected on the promise that it would no longer listen to politicians and healthcare bureaucrats, that it would listen to frontline doctors and nurses because they are the ones that live it and that experience um, uh, our healthcare crisis on a daily basis. And, and, and so this is a government that promised to engage with frontline and now is actually has broken all the election promises and it's doing the exact opposite while lying to Ontarians that it's engaging with the frontline doctors and nurses. Well, frontline doctors across the province have actually reached out to Premier Ford's office, to Minister Elliott's office, to her parliamentary assistance offices, to Dr. Devlin, uh, who's the chair of, of this bureaucratic 
Healthcare Council, and all requests by concerned Ontario doctors and by other frontline physicians have been completely ignored. So this is a government that has an agenda and that is not willing to engage in any sort of consultation, which is what we have seen with their cabinet orders, where where, they're, where uh, they are claiming uh, to, to be having consultations which are non-existent while these orders are already uh, uh, have been signed. And, 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 it's, and it's appalling that we have a Minister of Health that is blatantly lying to Ontario. And she first lied that she had never seen the documents when they bared her signature. Once the arbitration agreement came forward, she again um, lied about this being increases and, 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 and a government that is continuing to engage with the OMA. I should mention that the OMA not only have their most senior leaders um, resigned, uh, but uh, they had their most recent council elections. Uh, Colvinder, I got to cut you off there. I got to cut you off there because we're running right up against the news. Colvinder Gill has been with us, President, Concerned Ontario Doctors. Last week, the OMA reached a deal with the government. However, Concerned Ontario Doctors shocked to read about more cuts disguised as pay increases. Colvinder, thanks for the time and insight. Good luck. Thank you so much for having me. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.